New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hi, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today, I'm hosting architect Sim Vanderein. He's the author of Design for an Empathic World, Reconnecting to People, Nature, and Self. Sim, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. As an architect and mentor to young architects, I'm wondering, what do you mean by the term empathic design? Well, empathy means that you're able to experience the emotions, the feelings of other people and your own. That's the nature of empathy. And actually, this book, I started writing right around the meltdown in 2008 because I got so many calls from struggling architects, old and young, saying, what do I do now? I'm completely lost. I've lost my job. What do I do? I thought about that quite a bit. And then I said, well, I used to backpack alone in the summers. That's one of the reasons I became a professor at Berkeley where I had the summers off rather than (laughs) sit in an architectural office all summer. And, you know, that was before GPS. And like five in the afternoon, I say, I don't know where I am. And, you know, panic would set in. And what would I do to get out of that? I would really take deep, deep breaths, just sit still and go inside. So what I would tell these architects, and then later I started getting calls, don't know exactly why or how, but from Wall Street traders, And I'd say, well, when you're lost, go inside yourself and find a safe place. Find home inside yourself. And that's how you start not to be lost. I'd never really thought about it deeply myself, but that became one of the bases for writing this book because I also wanted to talk about what were my experiences in and I'll be 79 next month, what my experience has been in being in touch with my true and deepest self, which I think is a huge problem in our society today where everyone is, you know, we're Facebooking, we're messaging, we're doing all this stuff. Well, it's real, but it's. I think a lot of it is just a projection of how you want other people to see you. But I think my experience from what I went through in 2008, I had, and I had a number of those people came to see me was, and I'm not a therapist, I mean, but my experience is a lot of people really don't know very much about their deepest self. So that, that became another whole theme throughout this book. And when you mention like home, coming home to yourself, I think of architecture, like the way that you view it and the way you've approached it for more than 40 years now has been not so much designing a form, a building Mm. per se, but designing a home that's not only home for 
a person, but is home for the whole environment that it's Mm -hmm. sitting on. Exactly. And that is always changing, which is a thing that most architects who are disconnected from nature don't understand. I remember a contractor friend would say, oh, yeah, architects say, when we're through, you're finished. <laughs> like, it's done, now it gets built, and it'll never change. Well, particularly if you live in uh, a rural area, the natural environment is always undergoing change. You're affecting it, you're interacting with it, and that becomes to be very important. And your own life is changing, too. There so you go, things right? change. So uh, that whole idea, that that's why I say the difference between Seeing architecture is, oh, I've created this fantastic object. And no, it's not an object. It's an organism. It's a living system interacting with you and the natural world and changing in times. Things rot, you know, rodents get in. I mean, you know, endless. I mean, so those dimensions need to be included. And one of the ways that we have developed, let's say, our homes and buildings, too, we've developed a very, very closed environment. You know, windows won't open, and everything has to be air-conditioned, and it's artificial lighting. So please say something about that. Well, the example I think about is uh, I have a son who uh, is an anthropologist, and uh, he lives in Samoa and has for many, many years. And his PhD thesis, which he worked on for 12 or 15 years, was how, uh, this is in Western Samoa, where after typhoons, um, you know, native houses were lost, and the U.S. federal government came in and built them concrete block houses with rooms. Well, the traditional Samoan house is just a big open fale, and we're in a village. Everyone can see everyone else's family, and there are no separate rooms. And then what, the wind can just come Yeah, the right wind through comes it. through. Well, they have mats, pandemus mats that roll down in the bad weather. And his whole thesis has been how the westernization of architecture that started to happen there has totally changed the society. That trust, openness, characteristics are lost for the same reasons that you said. You're shutting out not only the natural world, but you're shutting out the other human world. Crime has gone up. Domestic violence has gone up. Isn't that interesting? Just with the architecture, it's changed the whole culture. Yeah. You know, when we built in the 50s, these huge projects in Chicago, St. Louis, and all these other cities, what were they? High-rise buildings for poor people with elevators, with tiny apartments, which, yes, there was open space outside, but it was designed in a way that it was dangerous. And it was a really bad model. They needed to have a community-based model. But, I mean, another whole issue is, and it's interesting because it talked about Eisenhower saying in his farewell speech, beware of the military-industrial-corporate complex. He didn't use quite those words, but that's the words we would use today. And also, what was that? one of Eisenhower's major achievements was, well, he'd been responsible for bombing the major cities in Germany to flat 
and he also knew the Russians had a nuclear bomb. So he was cons- he what he wanted to do is decentralize American cities. So what do we got? The Federal Highway Act and cheap money to build suburbs. Right. I live in Inverness. I call it in my nest. (laughs) (laughs) I come down out of there and into the suburbs, and I just. It's just archaic. It's it's like a very isolated kind of living. Everybody's self-contained within their environment. There's there's the concrete driveway. There's the garage sticking out at you. And we even don't even get out of the car to get into the garage. We have a garage opener and then go. Um, You don't see people on the street. The (laughs) streets are super wide. Right. Right. And then freeways are the same thing. All these individual cars. There are are no front porches where people are sitting on their swings. Well, there are some architects, particularly in the Portland, Seattle areas, that are building these cottage communities. Ross Chapin done wonderful work. And there are new models developing, but very slowly. But I think the suburbs in this country provide a huge liability right. because that's where all the energy is used. <laughs> One of the things that And I, that's where the farmland tens of millions of acres of farmland are lost. Right. We're lost. One of the things that I noticed like in one of my former homes the the house was so substantial it was hard to get out in the yard because there was no interim space that would gradually lead me into the yard. It was a big decision to go from the house to the yard other than to get in the car. And so Michael and I made a deck off the bedroom that got us outside and then into the yard. Do you have any comment on that? Well, it's interesting because I spent a lot of time in Japan in the 80s, and I always had been interested in Japanese architecture. And I was very influenced by the traditional Japanese models because what it is is a progression. And it's a progression around breathing rather than, okay, get my car in this garage, jump into the car, got to get on the phone, you know. And... In Japan, there's a progression. And actually, at Real Goods, I had kind of a, a fight with the John Schaefer, the owner of the company, because he wanted this store right on the freeway. And this is a, a place up in Hopland, in Hopland California. Yes, the Real Goods Solar Living Center. He wanted it right on the freeway with big signs. And I said, no, people are driving here from, generally from quite a distance. They want to get off the freeway and breathe as they move into another kind of space. And he did buy that idea. Finally, I can remember a client of mine in Sarasota, Florida, wanted me to come down and do this. She already had some plans, and she said, they don't feel quite right to me. So she sent me the plans, and I said, well, would you come to the door naked if the UPS man showed up? And she said, of course not. I said, well, that's the way your house is. It's got the big dollar sign entrance. You know, you come up the steps, and then you can look, you know, right through the whole house into the swimming pool. And... You know, that's kind of the American thing. I was just hearing the other day about people uh, down in Southern California cut down all the hedges and so forth because they have this big house and they want all the neighbors to see their impressive house. I mean, I'm very involved in yoga, and yoga is all around prana and breath and the breathing cycle. And in Japan, I think they they didn't have yoga, but they were aware of this. It's got to be a sequence. You make turns. That's not a straight line from here to it, there. Exactly. It, it's it not, meanders a bit and uh, takes you and on a little path. And it's really interesting because in ecological design, we talk about when they, the car of engineers decided they needed to drain all the marshes in the San Francisco Bay because of mosquito infestation. 
So they dug straight ditches where everywhere you get loops because the loop is actually the most efficient in terms of water movement. That's how water wants to move in vortexes. So they straightened it all out. And of course, they got three times the amount of <laughs> And that's, we have the same thinking in architecture. I mean, frankly, a lot of my buildings have curves in them. You know, I did a lot of work for Esalen and I would trade it for massage and rolfing. And I would literally see my whole body structure. And that would get into my architecture. Well, why can't we have architecture that has a spine? I remember doing a chiropractic center in Pennsylvania. And instead of having a little bunch of little rooms, it has a spine just like a human being. And it has ribs and it has a green roof. And it, was, <laughs> it got to be a real popular place. There were separate rooms, but the main space was just all curves. And I imagine people were very comfortable. Oh, yeah. They, they were drawn to it. Oh, they were drawn to it. Literally, that's the word. Probably a very successful business. Oh, it was. It. it was. Well, Sam, we could go on and on about these <laughs> different designs. I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. I've been speaking with Sam Vanderine, and he's the author of Design for an Empathic World Reconnecting to People, Nature, and Self. And if you'd like to know more about his work, you can go to his website, vanderine.com. And vanderine is spelled V-A-N-D-E-R-R-Y-N, vanderine.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.